social determinants of health into professional teams, improving healthcare delivery to patients and families. These are the themes of our Urban Service Talks, a podcast featuring the stories of students from a variety of healthcare professions, learning together to serve patients in our underserved community. We are a group of curious Urban Service Track AX scholars, sharing insight to educate and spark change wherever our stories are told. Welcome back, everyone, to our second episode of Urban Service Talks. Today's episode is titled Caregiver Burnout, The Hidden Patient. Today, we'll be delving into a very important topic that silently impacts so many individuals and caregiver roles. My name is Nisi Brooks, she, her, hers, and I'll be helping to facilitate today's discussion. I'm a student in the School of Nursing at the University of Connecticut. Um, I'm part of the UST AHEC Scholars Program Cohort 14, and today I get to work on this with my colleague, Simon. Hi, friends. My name is Simon Ebbett, pronouns he, him, and I'm a physician assistant student at Quinnipiac University in North Haven, Connecticut. I'm also a member of UST AHEC Cohort 14, and I'm very excited to introduce our guests today, Kizzy Hernandez-Gigos and Dr. Roshni Patel. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Before we dive into our uh, topic and questions, I was hoping we could start off with how we can refer to you and then maybe a little background on yourself and how your journey has led to some focus on caregiver health and well-being. Hi, my name is Kizzy. I am a social service healthcare professional and currently I work for the Yale School of Medicine in their research department on the program on aging. And I'm excited to be here today to talk about an, a, t- a topic that has infinite relevance um, to healthcare professionals, which is caregiver burnout and caregiver burnout. We wanna be able to support, identify and assess the needs of caregiver burnout as they continue to help us take better care of our patients. And my name is Roshni. I am a former UConn medical graduate. So been in your shoes not too long ago. I'm also a former USD AHEC scholar. Currently I am a second year resident at the Yale Primary Care Internal Medicine Program um, in New Haven, Connecticut. And I am very excited to talk to you guys today about caregiver burnout. Um, It's a topic that I became passionate about during my last two years of medical school. As I've gone more through my medical career, I've seen just how prevalent caregiver burnout truly is and just how important it is for us to keep spreading the word about this hidden patient and what we can do to better help them and our patient as a whole. So excited to talk to you guys today more about that. Thank you both so much. So first and foremost, as you both come to the table from uh, very different backgrounds, why is it important for all healthcare professionals to understand how to identify and address caregiver burnout. Caregiver burnout um, directly relates, you know, to the care that you're providing for a loved one. And it, it really varies in its definition for each individual. You know, a, a caregiver could be assisting with medication management and helping provide some meals. And it can range all the way from it's a daily safety check, it's the one person's social outlet. And what we wanna look for is the initial potential for burden. And it's when that caregiver starts to feel overwhelmed with the amount of care they're providing while trying to find the work caregiving balance. 
And with caregiving, we wanna make sure that we identify and address it before it becomes burnout, because that's when we hit that level of exhaustion and can really impede a person's ability to provide care at all. Yeah, I think th those are all really great points. And just to kind of piggyback that off that a little bit, in terms of all healthcare professionals, it, it's something that you're going to see just completely across the spectrum. So whether you're, you know, like myself working in a primary care clinic, you know, sometimes my patients simply don't show up and I have to question myself as to, you know, what, what's stopping them from coming into the office today? And if you're a dentist, it, it may be the same situation or a pharmacist who's saying, why did my patient not pick up their medication today? I think there are so many reasons that it is important for us to look into caregiver burnout. And, and as we kind of delve into it more and more, you'll see just how truly prevalent it is across all different fields and just how, how many different variations there are in terms of presentation of caregiver burnout. So I think, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but there are so many different ways that this can present. So it's so key for us to, you know, see what those nuances are. I like the point that you brought saying that this is so prevalent, but it also feels like a new realm for a lot of people to kind of consider as an issue. So I guess starting with you, Dr. Patel, why do you feel it's so important to screen family members for caregiver burnout? I think one of the reasons is so that it's so important is because the family member is not going to come out and tell you that it's a problem half the time. Sometimes they may not even themselves realize just how much their life is being impacted and how much of that burden that they're carrying for a friend or a family member that they're providing support to. And sometimes just opening the door to that conversation can lead you down a really kind of valuable path of information. So I think, you know, part of our job is to be able to open that door and start that conversation, whether that's, you know, in, you're in the clinic, you know, why, like I mentioned before, that it's a calling a patient saying, hey, I noticed you didn't come in today. Like, let's talk a little bit about what's going on. So I think just starting the conversation is one, really important. And two, you mentioned prevalence, which I think is, you know, a really key piece of information here. Um, this, this is something that's not going away. As you guys know, we have that kind of coined term, the silver tsunami. We have a heavily aging population that we are working with. And as the years go on, that aging population is just growing and growing. So this is not something that's going away. And this is not something that's necessarily going to get better unless we tackle it head on. So yep. any other additional thoughts, Kizzy? Yes. I think it's so important to screen family members for caregiver burnout is really because it can present itself at any time and without notice and the impact on our patients can be severe. There is something called unintentional harm. And as caregivers don't connect with the fact that they're overwhelmed and the physical impacts that that's starting to have on the caregiving that they're selflessly trying to give, they lose sight of the fact that the patient may actually be going without having their needs met, even though the caregiver is exhausting themselves with every effort and well-intended pieces. 
I think that's that's such a an important point as well. Not only um, as a caregiver is reaching that breaking point of exhaustion, but uh, but just the the unintentional uh, fallout or the the unintentional change in care that can happen. Um, and we had mentioned the prevalence of this, so an increasing amount of caregiver burnout. Um, but maybe we could we could uh, also go into kind of the breadth of this issue uh, and talk a little bit about um, why you guys feel caregiver burnout affects so many people across all spectrums. Um, Kizzy, maybe if you want to start on this one. Sure. I, I think an important piece of this is is the changing landscape. You know, we have um, sometimes parenting even is put in its own category because of the different ages that it impacts with the caregiving um, piece. And as we continue to care for others and care for our loved ones, we associate less with the fact that I'm an actual caregiver as opposed to this innate responsibility that I feel that I have because this is now my current situation. And I think that it's important for people to allow themselves that aspect of education that you are a caregiver, you are giving and ensuring and helping others continue to grow, continue to, to thrive and be successful. And it's a part of that caregiving process and in turn, try not to lose sight of self-giving of your own relief so that you can continue to provide this care to others. But there are so many people that are being directly affected. It is parents, it's people um, caring for others with uh, all abilities and, and also with dementia and with um, people that are economically strained. We may not realize that we're helping another person because their circumstances may be a little bit different than ours. And in a sense, we are caregiving. Yeah, just, I, I think, Kizzy, you hit the nail on the head with a lot of that at the end there. And, you know, to me, when I'm thinking about, you know, why does this affect people across the spectrum? I think it's, it's exactly what you said. Caregiver, caregivers themselves, come in so many shapes and forms. And I think it's really easy for us to say, oh, our caregivers are the people who are caring for their elderly parents who have dementia, when that's not always necessarily the case. Sometimes, you know, caregiving looks like a parent who's taking care of an older disabled child, or sometimes it's even a partner taking care of their spouse who, maybe had uncontrolled diabetes and had to get a, you know, an amputation of some sort. There are so many physical, mental, and other you know, emotional disabilities that exist within our patient population that require caregiving. And I think that's why it's so prevalent across the spectrum. And it's something that we're gonna see so often every day. And um, I know we'll probably get into this in a little bit, but I think, you know, you mentioned the changing landscape, and I, it's so important to note that as our healthcare, you know, rules and regulations change, as our financial constraints change, and 
with COVID and like the changing landscape with that, this is becoming even more and more of an issue across the board. In terms of this changing landscape that you both discussed now, so we've kind of in real time seen healthcare professionals like put on this pedestal and like almost deified over this last year. So in what ways do you believe caregiver burnout really impacts healthcare professionals in the wake of COVID-19? I'm, I'm happy to you know speak to that a little bit more. I think now being a resident myself and having my own patient population. So I, as part of my primary care clinic, I have a patient, a panel of patients who I am their primary care provider. And I have several older patients who are in a caregiving role or who need caregiving themselves. And, you know, as COVID-19 has come around, we have seen some of our most vital resources become limited. Some of these most important places that I would refer my patients to, for instance, if we have a patient who needs, you know, respite care or an adult daycare center, unfortunately with COVID, a lot of these situations or a lot of these um, local organizations are closed and we can no longer utilize the resources that we have been to for our patients. And it's, it's become extremely, extremely challenging to give our patients the, that relief that they need and that support that they need because sometimes it just doesn't exist right now. And it's become really challenging to find creative ways to help them. And as a healthcare provider, in a sense, you do almost feel a little bit kind of frustrated and a little bit hopeless at times because you're wondering, you know, what can I do for my patients with such a limited amount of resources and, you know, some of these traditional things we were using no longer available to us. So I think it's certainly been very challenging and it's something that we all need to keep kind of putting our heads together and seeing what we can come up with to better help our patients during these times. Dr. Patel, that was such an amazing point and, and so intuitive to mm -hmm. the question that, that continues to go you know, unanswered, but we really are trying. And with caregivers having taken on such an enhanced role with COVID, I mean, we already have older adults being a very vulnerable population and, mm -hmm. and we did our best to just try and make sure we've done our safeguarding. And now this safeguarding has become, has come with such a great cost with um, the quarantine aspect and, and seeing our loved ones in person and with isolation increasing so much. Now it's also up to the responsibility of the caregiver to make sure that their loved one continues to have purpose and worth and, and an emotional outlet. And it's that well-being that has gone from physical and emotional to now all-encompassing that has put even a different potential stress and burden on caregivers. And with the limited resources, we want to even more so make sure we're identifying and understanding the impact on caregivers, especially when we don't have a definitive end date for how this is going to affect the care that's going to our loved ones and managing their health as best we can. Such a, uh, an important point to about um, the access to and just a, a knowledge of available resources just as the, the starting point to even, you know, have that conversation about 
where do, where do we go next uh, for connecting a, a patient or a caregiver um, to to that next point? The the question that 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 kind of brings up in my mind, and maybe Kizzy, you can address this first with your background. Um, even though we're we're discussing this in a a broader interprofessional uh, kind of arena, um, do you think that, or do you, do you feel that? Um, caregiver burnout is likely to be referred to and kind of first addressed or best addressed uh, by social workers? That's a great question. You know, social service professionals provide an invaluable service. I mean, they educate us on the impact of social determinants of health and have a wealth of knowledge and resources. It's it's the practical nature where in most healthcare settings, the social worker's role is limited to a certain number of appointments over a period of time. And it's really, it's extremely beneficial, but it's not ongoing. And it's qualifying and applying and the accessibility, which we just discussed of a resource that can be very time consuming and isn't practically able to be wrapped up in those appointments. And it's the healthcare professionals that continue to see that patient and continue to reassess and need to know how this patient is getting their needs met so that we can help better care and manage their health needs. And as we collaborate and we continue to learn from one another interprofessionally, we one of the biggest learnings is that it it is a shared responsibility for all healthcare professionals to truly manage a patient in all of their aspects that directly impact better health and well-being. Yeah, I just want to like wholeheartedly echo the fact that this is truly a shared responsibility and truly a collaborative nature that we need to take this approach with. Just like Kizzy said, it it is not the job of any one member of the healthcare team to tackle such a huge and important topic. I think, you know, care starts first and foremost with who may be talking to the patient or seeing the patient most often. So if that's their primary care provider, their, you know, their dentist, their PA, their nurse, whoever that may be, sometimes they're that gate into opening that conversation and opening that door. And then once you find out more and more information, you're able to better connect them with other members of the healthcare team that can then help sort of pick away at these issues and really start better supporting that individual as a whole. So yes, I think it is our duty and our responsibility to make sure that we are doing our part when it comes to the care plan and that we're all working collaboratively, collaboratively together to ensure that the patient is getting all of these needs met in the most holistic way possible. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. And you both spoke about how this is kind of a shared responsibility by a healthcare team, but this seems like a topic that many health profession students simply aren't learning about. Um, so what factors do you believe continue to drive the need to educate and train health prof healthcare professionals on why it's important to identify and address caregiver burnout. I, I, I totally agree with you. 
as a recently a student myself going through four years of medical education, I think it's quite surprising how little of dedicated education that we have surrounding this topic. And we often refer to this patient as like the hidden patient. And this hidden patient is everywhere. It's in every family, it's every shape and form. And it's something that is such a critical person and key player in the healthcare system that we should not be missing. So I think that's just one reason that we should be really focusing on better, you know, emphasizing this education and better really supporting our trainees. And I've truly come to see the kind of long-term impact of this now that I've made my way through my own medical career. So as a resident now, as I mentioned before, I carry my own patients. And just thinking back to some of these, you know, skills that I learned, tools that I'm using, it, it's just making me feel that much more prepared to actually look at my patient population as a whole and say, how can I best support them? And am I taking into consideration the people around them that are also a part of their care? So um, I definitely think, you know, this is not something going away. This is not something that we can be ignoring. And it's something that should be a definitely prevalent part of all of our educations as a whole. Dr. Patel, that's such a great perspective and it's, it's so relevant to, to today's climate and the students and, and what we hope they can gain from, from this type of, um, of conversation. And you know, there are so many factors contributing to, to the continued importance. It's the growing population, it's the varying social economic status, it's, it's technology. It's the growing and changing true climate that's upon us. Um, how are we communicating? And are we making sure that we're creating a safe space as healthcare professionals to invite this type of conversation and giving that to our caregivers so that they know we're here to listen and we understand that this directly impacts your day-to-day, -day, your life, your abilities and your health. And, and just to add one more, more point to that is, I think us having the ability to take into, you know, take the time into our day to do these small things, it can actually go a long way in increasing satisfaction for both the patient and the providing team. I think, you know, one thing we always forget is we look at caregiving as this kind of negative burden sometimes. And, you know, when I was doing research about this topic, I had seen that, yes, well, 50 to 60% of caregivers say they feel some sort of, you know, overwhelming sense of burden. They have 20 to 40% of them have depressive symptoms, but there was an overwhelming proportion of them as well that said they found joy in caregiving and that they valued their experience and it strengthened their relationship with their family. So if we can do what we can on our end to kind of help strengthen that relationship, support them through this role, then maybe they can get more benefit at the end of the day than harm. And us as providers can find more satisfaction in our interaction with these patients and hopefully less frustration and burnout on our end as well, because it, it turns into a two-way street when you feel helpless and feel like you can't help the patient either. That's a good point to, to bring that back to kind of uh, the, the daily practice of caregiving and, and what a healing relationship that can be um, for, for both parts of, of that. Um, 
I'd love to sum up today's conversation. I, I really appreciated both of your, your guys' time um, and give our listeners uh, some pearls to move forward with in their education and, and their practice. Um, maybe if, if both of you could share uh, one or two tools, um, what, what you find most useful um, to identify caregiver burnout. Maybe starting sure. with uh, Kizzy. Sure. The um, Actually, the American Medical Association created a great self-assessment questionnaire. And what I like about it is that it, it talks to the caregiver about connecting where they were when they began caregiving to now in relevance to their coping skills. Do you have the same coping skills for yourself that you had when you started caregiving? And what do they look like now? And now that we've talked about them, do you feel that those are the best and the healthiest ways to continue to be the healthiest version of yourself? And I appreciated them really talking about trajectory when it came to helping the caregiver even understand where they're at and how they can continue to do this moving forward. Right. Um, I think there's a lot of amazing tools that are that are available kind of at our fingertips. We can often go online and find questionnaires, things like that. Um, one of them, you know, there is a validated tool called the Zeret um, Burden Questionnaire that does exist. That's been kind of used across the board in various populations. I think it's about 20 or 22 questions. So sometimes these questionnaires can feel a little bit burdensome and overwhelming just in themselves. So I always try to break it down to kind of like, what is the key information that we're trying to um, pull from our caregivers. So, you know, there's kind of seven domains they talk about when you're trying to do a caregiver assessment. But I think the most important thing to think about is who is the caregiver? You know, what is their background and what is their perception of the situation? And I think you gain a lot of information by simply asking them about how comfortable do they feel in their role? What do they think their strengths are? What do they feel the weaknesses are? And how do they view their relationship with the person that they're giving care for? And the second kind of pearl that I can really would like to emphasize is what Kizzy had said before about this being a dynamic process. This isn't a kind of timestamp, you know, they came in for their yearly visit, I gave them a questionnaire, we're done. This is every time you see them, are you able to elicit this information and kind of revisit some of these topics to see that things are going down the right path for the patient? Wow, I really, I really do appreciate all of this insight that you guys have given us on a topic, you know, that's exploring the hidden patient. Um, and after listening to you both speak, I just kind of want to circle back one more time and reiterate how truly important this is. Like so many people exist in these caregiver roles and they may fear, you know, making their loved ones feel guilty or fear looking like they aren't strong enough to be a caregiver. But, you know, one of the most important things that I've heard thus far in nursing school is that we're no good to our patients if we're no good to ourselves. And we have to be able to say, like, I need help too. So thank you again for, you know, coming and bringing that, that conversation here. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thank you to our, our guests, um, Kizzy and Dr. Patel, uh, for coming on today to share your insights uh, and for the important work that they're doing uh, every day to, to improve caregivers' health uh, and the health of, uh, of their patients. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. 
Uh, also, a big thank you to our team here at Urban Service Talks for bringing this conversation together. As always, we'd like to thank our listeners and to leave you with a couple questions to ruminate and potentially act on. First, what does destigmatizing caregiver burnout look like to you? And second, how might you put that into practice moving forward? Finally, after today's conversation, how might you be better equipped to handle caregiver burnout in a patient, yourself, or even a friend or family member? We'd love to connect with you all, so let us know what you think on our, on our social media pages or by email. Have a great rest of your day and be safe. This podcast is sponsored by Connecticut AHEC and UConn Health. Let's keep this talk going. Join us on Twitter at Talks Service. Instagram at Urban Service Talks or by email at ust.pod at gmail.com.